Hello and welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. Pod Sequentialism, of course, is brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles here on Sunset Boulevard, very close to West Hollywood. La Luz de Jesus Gallery in Los Feliz, as well as the Wacko Soap Plant Superstore. And also by Gallery 30 South out in Pasadena, which is my new endeavor with my wife. And, of course, was born out of the pop sequentialism catalog and traveling exhibitions of comic book art, which we realized when we were about halfway down the road, we had written 80 pages on comic book art, and I was damned if I wasn't going to publish it. So you can pick up a catalog, you can contact us at either info at popsequentialism.com, or you can reach out for on any of our various media at podsec, P-O-D-S-E-Q. Uh, you can hear these podcasts, of course, on Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. So one thing I wanted to talk about, and I think most people know that I've, I've done a good degree of licensing in my lifetime. In my lifetimes, I guess, as, as we say when we've got multiple careers, that people often ask, you know, how do you get involved in this? And, of course, anytime you are in a position to be licensing any type of material, it means that you've, you love something. You've come across something that you really enjoy and you feel like you are in a position to be able to bring it to a wider audience. And so my guest today, Matt Getz, is the founder of Poster Pop, which was very, very important in getting lowbrow and that early wave of pop surrealism out into the marketplace as a sort of, not just monetizable, and he'll talk to you about that, but in a sort of zeitgeist fashion where stickers became really big again. They hadn't been a big deal since the 70s and like wacky packages and, you know, were really limited more to um, trading card type size. And so what we're going to talk about with Matt is how to license stuff and, you know, what's, what's important about presenting artwork in a fashion that people can see as egalitarian and not a huge expense, and yet is profitable enough to keep doing it. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Hi. I'm uh, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, we actually back, I guess it would have been last year, right? Yeah, last uh, July. Yeah, yeah, last July we did a, a great pop-up of some of the original paintings that you had collected in, in the Poster Pop collection that we put out for sale and sold quite a few. And actually the image that we're going to use for this, this program is the Von Franco eyeball surfing oh, cool. and which is one of those images. And, and again, it's a tribute of a contemporary artist to the first wave that inspired this particular type of contemporary artwork. So it's being born out of the Rick Griffin kind of eyeball yeah. thing, the Von Dutch thing. And so much of what inspired lowbrow art was born in that Von Dutch Ed Roth, yeah, yeah. and then uh, San Francisco rock poster type of thing. So how did you come to it? Like, what what um, really got um, you interested in this? I was a child of the 60s, I guess. Um, I love the art. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, Von Franco actually worked for Ed Roth. Yeah. He got him out of Knott's Berry Farm, and mm -hmm. he said, let's get it back on the road. And he was at the uh, Rat Fink reunion, like, God, I don't know, it was 2005, and yep. all his paintings were sold out on his table, and I'm like, can you do a surfing eyeball? And he's like, yeah. So this, like, connection to the artist to, like, what, just talking to him, I visualized, like, wow, do this. And, you know, half my paintings are commissions of, you know, kind of like, your art is really cool, but do, like, you know, this is really cool, you know. But you started earlier than that. Like, Poster Pop's been... 97. Yeah, yeah 97. And, and from 97 to, like, 2003, which I guess we would think of as the real, like, heyday, like, the birth of the movement. Yeah. Um, and that covers a lot of ground, actually. But when I think specifically about the explosion of lowbrow, you really... Yeah. Like, 97 is really right... Is the tip of the yeah. spear. And that's when Mark Ryden was showing, I think, at... Oh, you know, it's funny. We're supposed to do a show with Mark Ryden in 94. Five, I think at Lelouz when we were still on Melrose right. and like a week before the show like the show just dropped and there was a, a pop-up exhibition on Melrose in an empty storefront oh right and smart I mean yeah. he he's I could say the only artist that's ever turned us down you yeah know? yeah uh he um He's smart, but he, I mean, I remember Long Gone John buying, you know, Snow White yeah. and like $35,000, oh my God, you know, and... And what's that worth now? Seven million probably. Oh, I mean, that'd like, be awesome. Well, yeah. you know, when you look at the, 
and there's of course you know the the appraised value versus Your auction emotional. record yeah. you know and like we used to go through this with Robert Williams is that we get contacted by Artnet and this is you're going back 10, 10 11 years now so Artnet always wanted us to advertise and it's not the Artnet that is Artnet now which I think is it's all it, bullshit oh. it, well now it's kind of amazing <laughs> because I think that they they run a lot of news and it's it's a daily thing and there's enough content but before they were really just kind of an auction yeah. site not all corporate ads that pollute the experience. Certainly, Gotta but I but it. I think that those corporate ads are also connected to their own site, so yeah. it's kind of a you know a, an in-house type of thing. Oh, but good. Before, like we had a guy came in and he was wearing like one of those you know wide shouldered suits from the eighties, and he, he right. seemed like one of those cokeheads that ruined the art market in the in the late nineties, uh, late eighties. And, you know, he was trying to sell us on the format and we were like, well, why do you want us? Because, you know, we actually tried to list stuff. We tried to list Robert Williams pieces at a certain point and, and you guys didn't want it. Yeah. And it's because there wasn't an auction record that most right. of the resales came through us and went directly back out. Right. Nothing hit auction because we had a huge and still do actually have a big list of people that were willing to buy this stuff. Right. The problem of having... I guess like major secret. That's a really good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but the, but Ryden is was very much a part of that too. That his work never hit auction, and right. it wasn't until even Frazetta never hit auction until until yeah. recently in the heritage auctions. But I, I yeah. remember when drawings would appear, no one cared twenty years ago. No, you go to his house and you know. Can I buy that? Like I did with my painting. Yeah, it's like yeah. 300 bucks. Here, it's 400 bucks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I've talked extensively about going and visiting Jack Kirby and buying stuff directly from him when he got his pages back from Marvel. Yeah. But the the idea of the calculatable art market oh, God. versus yeah. the value of something is really, and the success of being able to do something is kind of personified in Mark Ryden because... If you look at what we know about what has sold, as the pieces started to get up above $500,000 and then $750,000 for some of the newer pieces, and we were told that a piece went for over a million dollars in the Japanese Snow Yak show, which may or may not be the case, but it's no, definitely they, above. No, they reached it about then. Tree show was a million. Yeah, um, but that's also a gigantic piece. Yeah, the Createx was 250. Me and Larry, my ex-business partner, were going to buy it. Yeah. Like, we'll sell our house and we'll make a movie like how we had a belief in writing. And... But wasn't that only like a $15,000 piece, Createx? No, it's 250. Okay. And I've asked Ryden about it and it wasn't sold. Mm. And uh, you or somebody just told me that they had to convince... Uh, Mark Parker to buy it mm. and um, Long Gone John like handed a you know like literally took him there to you know it was like and I think Alex Sloan was probably responsible for that sale and, and the coolest thing of all the coolest things ever ever is the um you, did you go to the show? I think it was either yeah. in Pasadena or San Diego. Yeah, Anna. The, the, the show that was in Pasadena was at yeah. what is the the Pasadena Museum of California Art. And right. it was like Mendenhall was around back then. Yeah, and then here was the painting at the end of the room, and there was literally a hemisphere of people just yeah. looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that since Leonardo da Vinci in the Louvre. Yeah. And you know it's something, you know, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, I'll look at my Piz painting and I'll go, oh my God, you know, it's like, look at the blue and look at the glow, but there's literally like 40, 50 people just looking at the painting and, you know, you knew it was something, you know, and it was still unsold. And there was a time also, you know, going back that far when when Billy Shire, you know, the owner of, oh, yeah. of Lowe's Days, who's calorie. Thanks, so God, for Billy Shire, really. <laughs> no, he put <laughs> the Kozik Guggenheim of Lowe's. Yeah, that um, and certainly I, I remember the first Kozik show. I remember the first Coop shows. The the, yeah. the first or second Piz shows. And the interesting thing, he offered John Curran a show way back in I the day know. when nobody would touch John Curran. Now there's a room full of John Currans at the Broad. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's a, an illustrative painter who was the first guy to kind of hit that blue chip market. So you had Odd Nerdrum and John Kern. Is John it? Here's him. a question: Is it you get a celebrity to follow you? You get um, you know to buy it like DiCaprio and Ryden, or you get Michael Jackson's you know cover of his album Black and White, or you get. Um, you know, one hot moment, Ryden did all those things, and then you those get, like... Those worked against him, I think. You know, we had that Michael Jackson piece, I believe, in a Jesus. group show, you know, back in the 90s, if I recall correctly. And next was an Eric <laughs> was an Eric White painting, which I think was priced higher, and yeah. there was a great Chris Mars album And I, I've talked to, um, when the show was on uh, 
uh, not Beverly, but you know, where Laurel can not Laurel can Coenga comes out and it was the retrospective. Michael Cohn. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And I'm location. like, I'm like, I thought LACMA was going to buy these. And he said, no, they're like anti-interested in writing. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus, this stuff, you know, cause I was studying Corbet at the time, you know, yeah. reading like, you know, after they basically, you know, he pulled down, pulled down a tower of Napoleon or whatever yeah. in France and they ruined him and he died like, you know, after they said you owe like a half million dollars to the state of France. Basically, France would give, you know, say, you know, the family, give us all the paintings and you don't owe any taxes. Yeah. So that's how the Louvre has such amazing paintings. But, you know, it's like, uh, you know, la- this stuff belongs in a museum. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say Robert Williams... Shag, not maybe. You know, well, some Robert certain Williams, pieces. I think does because I think Robert yeah. Williams was in the Helter Skelter show in 1991 at LACMA. It was his oh, painting was. that caused the huge fur. Oh, really? You know yeah. that there was a, um, a picket line um, of really? who objected to his work, and you know that Robert, helps. Yeah, <laughs> I, it can and it can't. But you know, they swore they'd never show him again, and so it was great to be able to have that screening of that documentary, Mr. Bitchin, at LACMA. You know, really? you know, oh, at, yeah. at the I scene know. of the crime, so yeah. to speak. But I think, you know, Robert is definitely of that caliber. I think that the pricing wise, that there are certainly people that followed in his wake that became famous and, and have had very successful careers. But I think influence wise, no one has surpassed him. I think that no, nobody and he worked for it. Ed Roth, which 90% of the people don't even have a clue. You know, yeah. the old ads in the back of the things, you know, he drew little doodles and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's super psychedelic, which, you know, they well, were doing guys, in the 60s. A lot of those guys that worked for Roth are becoming known, and their works are becoming quite valuable. Yeah, but Rick most Griffin, of them aren't yeah. signed. Well, no. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, I, Comic-Con since 98, yeah. you know, you, my two th- basically favorite things are going to that corner and looking at the original, you know, $14,000 Roadrunner original, you know, yeah. Newton drawing and... And then all the uh, 60s, 70s, 40s pinup art, you know, yeah. Glovegren and the, you know, men's magazine, you know, or like, you know, it's awesome art, you know. Yeah. So that, and then the 60s art, that's, you know, but yeah, I mean, it, Newton's still around, I guess. And, but, you know, the different model between poster pop and all this stuff is I always, I was an art, I'm an artist. Yeah. So I always wanted my original back. Yeah. So I always give the originals back. Like Franco, I had like a stack of like, you know, because in the old days we we took a black line, we scanned it in, and mm. I took the color. He do he do a Xerox, and he would do a color up colored pencil, mm. and I'd separate the blue and the yellow and the light blue, and you know make silkscreen separations. Yeah. And then I had the stack, and I'm like, hey Franco, you need money. You know, I commissioned a painting. You haven't delivered yet, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, um, here's all your originals back. Sell them. You know, they're yours. They're not yeah. mine. And, you know, it's like, so these originals really belong to the artist. Right. But, you know. And that was, of course, a huge point of contention in the lawsuits. Oh, the that Kirby. Were, they were levied, yeah, from Kirby yeah. to Marvel. And, it's an amazing artist. You know, people yeah. say, oh, he got all his art back, you know. And, and Did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. There's a lot of really important stuff missing. And, you know, there, there were yeah. reports that some of that stuff was... Uh, that people had seen it in oh, really? Stanley storage space and, yeah. and you know that there were certain people a lot of stuff was stolen from the offices they would give stuff away at the offices when people oh, come yeah. and visit I mean that was normal yeah and it you know nowadays with digital you know I guess I already BS'd my uh, way into the explicit part but you know it's like <laughs> um now everybody's doing not everybody but digital you screw yourself in the ass by not having an original piece to sell not having physical art to, yeah, to sell and, yeah and you know honestly I grew up doing photography and I still have a dark room and silver photography and you know it's like you know it's worthless but you know you have something and it's yeah. silver and it's it's beautiful and you know you could take a digital negative and I you know do art reproduction and I just bought a really bitchin you know 50 megapixel Canon on yeah. eBay because everything in our culture is worthless used so <laughs> it was like two grand and you know anyway long story short is you got if you're a painter you got it you know I paint in oils and they're gorgeous mm. you know just the touching them you know it's like wow 
and everything was made like Varga and Elvgren and Kirby to be photographed and reproduced, yeah. Carcept and Rick Griffin. And, yeah. you know, you saw that Mama Cast thing and the Rick Griffin thing in yeah. Laguna. I was like, oh, my God. This is like... Yeah, I mean, his thing was lettering, of course. You know, yeah. That, that and the black line. That, yeah. 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 A friend of mine has a, a great collection. I'm not going to name him. But, um, oh, he a, does. A great collection I of, of see Rick that. Griffin stuff and, <laughs> wink, some great, and some lettering studies. <laughs> yeah. And... You know that 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 whole school is slight has been coming up, and I mean it's interesting. That's the best. The the Grateful Dead, not a band that I love at all. Right. Um. I've I've gotten to the point I think where I I hit forty five and now I can listen to some of it, but I choose not to. No, <laughs> I'm just I mean, not a fan of that jam bandy type of stuff. Yeah, I mean but people don't fans, like Pink Floyd. Give me a break. I know, but the, <laughs> and I love Pink Floyd. But the yeah. the the fans of the Grateful Dead who became that first wave of yuppies. Yeah, people oh, yeah. That had I was in Santa money. Cruz in '83. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they had money, and so like they started buying some of that artwork. So the people really? that started supporting the early sales of that poster art were people who lo- were came out of the '60s. Yeah. They were they were the flower children. They got corporate jobs. They got money. They bought the stuff they loved. It's not so different from comic book nostalgia. Oh yeah, which is why I worry about comic art being produced now because it's, it's digital. Yeah. Well, it's, a lot of it's. Digital. Digital, but even the stuff that's being done primarily analog, right, is what's the highest circulation on something? One hundred and sixty thousand copies. So that's a lot. That's not a lot. Well, you know this nineteen ninety three was seven posters, million. The sixties posters were five thousand at the show, like mm-hmm. the Jimi Hendrix BG one hundred five, and you know the second printing. I don't know, it was five thousand too. I don't know, but um, you know they pinned them up, mm-hmm. they put them around the town, and you know that. Hendrix Rick Griffin eyeball mm-hmm. you know is 5,000 that's a lot but it's not so, but a lot of them are also heavily bootlegged and so it's hard to kind of gauge yeah. because so many illegal copies of that stuff got out so. there I don't think so I don't really you know because it was really kind of crappy art I remember in 83, 85 in San Francisco you get these like Swedish people coming in and buying stuff and it's like mm-hmm. you know the uh, the minor bird one and like the guys in the boat the boat diddly and you're like why is that worth money you know i mean mm-hmm. i used to go to shows you know uh and outside were like teepees and indians and like really trippy cool stuff yeah. and and you would literally trade a tie-dye for a bg 105 second printing or third yeah. printing and um you know it's wasn't valuable until you know la Majorie, debbie started buying stuff in the la times calendar there was a place in new hampshire called headlines which was a huge right. reseller of 60s rock poster memorabilia that i knew in the 80s right and of course head shops were illegal in massachusetts when they cleaned up the combat zone oh, in boston they had to there promote no, alcohol right no tattoos <laughs> you know none of that stuff so okay. um so better was, culture right <laughs> yes but um so when they clean up the combat zone which put all the the clubs out of business, which actually hurt a lot of bands. That oh, um, really? that this scene kind of started to develop in Hampton Beach and in, in um, oh my gosh, what's the other other town up there? Is like Salisbury Beach, but um, these other shops right over the border. Like it was like oh, yeah. Sunday morning. You know, people would drive up to buy beer because you couldn't buy alcohol, you couldn't sell alcohol on Sunday because of the blue laws in Massachusetts. Oh, so you'd go up to New Hampshire for everything you couldn't get. All it right. was like tattoos, alcohol, fireworks, <laughs> you know, and rolling right. papers. Right. And um, so this this one this head shop became kind of an art gallery. I mean, oh yeah, very I mean, much I the remember, way the Wacko yeah. was out here. I remember buying big O posters yeah. and Roger Dean art and that's why I'm an artist is yeah. I had the Tales from Topographical Ocean posters. What was that head shop out in Van Nuys? Captain Fantastic Yeah, or Captain Ed's or H&H it became and it was a big corporation that owns I guess my role model they're not my role model but C&D Visionary basically mm-hmm. did South Park and Family Guy you know obviously they're smarter than I am and they actually did commercial licenses and sold the masses you know yeah. we're all i sold you know a million dollars a year of kozik and coop shirts to japan and you yeah. know in our heyday you can you thank know. me for that by the way because i'm the guy that brought i schlepped those posters back in 1992 oh you three, were all over japan and nobody knew who they were really nobody bought it because japan still buys kozik i yeah. mean i i ship probably a five six thousand dollar order which yeah. is nothing like the heyday yeah. of just kozik shirts to japan and yeah. you know it's like 
you know, the, they didn't know the bands, so they didn't want the posters. So the right. only one I could who, sell who are was the like, cows, who's yeah, Supernova, you know, yeah, who's Steel Pole Bathtub. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, you and know. so they bought the Beastie Boys, the Blue Dog. Yeah, that's a great poster. So that's that, the first great Kozak I ever bought. Yeah, yeah. So that hits the wall in this Japanese clothing store. I was bitching. Yeah. And people were like, I want that. That was and a great poster. It, it jacked the price up like crazy. Yeah. But like, and it's still only worth like I paid three twenty five in ninety eight. It's probably worth four hundred now. Ooh, that. But to me, it's probably yeah. No, it's probably worth. Yeah. I mean, that you know the uh, the first green... printing's about fifteen hundred. I think is it like yeah. the purple lady? You know, the Pearl Jam Soundgarden is yeah. is the one that's worth four or five grand for yeah. the first printing, and um, it's that different paper too. Yeah, and it's pink, and you know, Tom Bunch, uh, uh, God, what it was called, Tab Productions in Austin is the mm. one who really did Kozik and. Yeah. Jermaine, I was next to me at Comic Con. I talked to him all the time. Yep. Jermaine Rogers, yep. and I actually saw a billboard driving here of uh, Apple with his imagery. Yeah, yeah it's like whoa. I, no, I, Jermaine's I cool on dude. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I love him. He's yeah. like the smartest guy I've ever met. You know, and he's like really cool. And mm-hmm. but anyway, that original Austin thing. You know, not to mention Debbie Lamarjerie again. But you know, she basically stole Kozik and brought him out or bought him a press mm-hmm. and you know the story and well you guys probably don't but um, started printing his silk screens because Kozik's early work was all like kind of one two color uh, Xeroxy art yep. called Scratch Acid or something and it's really good in fact Larry my ex-partner wants to do a book on it mm-hmm. and I can photograph them all and Jermaine actually has a lot of those too and mm-hmm. he was just a kid fan yep. he saw Pearl Jam in 91 at the uh, uh, Unicorn and you know, I sell the poster at, at Comic-Con, or I have it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like $700, and um, I was at that show, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and he peeled, he actually peeled the Pink Lady, the Pearl Jam Soundgarden, off the wall uh, of the venue, yeah. and, you know, he'll, that's his treasure, you know, because yeah. he was at the show, you know, so, um, yeah, and then, you know, the whole concert poster thing, actually, just to get back on track, <laughs> um, I had a company before Poster Pop that right. did my art, which was my claim to fame was the size of the world sticker with the world inside the eyeball that mm-hmm. I hallucinated a little kid in the clock tower of Santa Cruz. I saw his blue eyes. I saw the world in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like trying to draw it, trying to draw it. And then this thing called Photoshop was invented around 90, 91. And uh, so he scanned in a picture of the world and I stripped in this little kid's eye and uh, did a shirt. And then some company that did a bunch of Grateful Dead stickers, licensed it. Yeah, uh, and I didn't. I don't think I saw a copy of Photoshop till like '98. Yeah, we're, we're gonna hold that thought and get back to that story because we're gonna take a word from one of our sponsors really quickly. And I wanna, uh, you know, reiterate that you too can reach this valuable demographic by contacting us for advertising. You can give us an email at info at popsequentialism.com or contact us via social media at at podsec. P-O-D-S-E-Q. But we'll be back in 60 seconds with more more of the roots of yeah. Poster Pop and Matt Getz <laughs> just after word from our sponsors. Hello and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. And uh, we're talking to Matt Getz, who is the founder of Poster Pop. And one of the really important figures in getting lowbrow and what would become pop surrealism to the masses and now we were just talking about how you had started you know and before you started poster pop that you had um, a company that was producing your own work and so I imagine like with a lot of galleries that open with uh, artists who decide to start selling the work of other people that it's kind of a similar aesthetic that you were working on your own artwork and you're an appreciative of other people's stuff and realized hey I'm getting my work out there oh yeah this piece is great How'd you kind of just decide to start contacting people, and what were those calls like? Well, I had a rep, mm-hmm. and he's, I, God, I don't even know, like Photoshop 1.0, it was like Quark 3, mm-hmm. something I made, a, actually it was PageMaker, I don't even remember. I made a catalog, I sent it out, mm-hmm. I had all the stores, you know, US, uh, from Jerry Jasper or whatever, shouldn't mention, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, you know, name drop. Uh, but anyway, so I, uh, some guy that did magic, men's apparel, you know, trade yeah, the magic show, show yeah, yeah, in Vegas. did Huge. clothing, yeah, Huge. and he saw my catalog, says I want to carry you, and he uh, basically sold like thirty thousand dollars on my stupid toast T-shirts, and wow, I had a donut, it said glaze, you know, I had a piece of toast said toast, I had mm-hmm. ass wipe, you know, beavis and butthead, said mm-hmm. ass wipe, you know, toilet paper roll, mm-hmm. and he sold like. 
like cases of the stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, got them printed and shipped them just mainly to Japan and yeah. then some stores in the U.S. And then Larry Finn, who used to sell Kozak posters, mm-hmm. Coop posters I got from Art Rock. Yep. Uh, basically knew Coop, knew Kozak and mm-hmm. said, hey, uh, or I said, hey, or whatever. I think it was kind of a combination. I still don't know the actual answer. But we added, we approached Kozik, mm-hmm. and then we added Coop, and it was great. I mean, immediately my distribu- distribution was set up, my, mm-hmm. my international sales was set up, my production was set up. I'm, I'm mainly a production person. Right. Like, I worked at the sticker printer company, and I learned everything I needed to learn, and then I did my own work. Yeah. You know, for, you know, and then so I was like able to do all the steps. So I was the only person. Well, this is why internships are valuable. Oh, it's yeah. It's funny because kids come out of art school and they expect to get paid 50 bucks an hour. And it's like, oh, honestly, it's ridiculous. I don't get you're... paid 50 bucks an right, hour. Right. You know? <laughs> but what I think is was most important about an internship is that it's an opportunity to learn to do whatever it is that you're oh, interning yeah. for. And I worked at a, at a pendulum antique clock shop yeah. after college. My dad's like, get a job. And I'm like, oh, well, this guy, you know, so I learned how to fix gears. And on old, you know, like 18, 17, 80 pendulum clock. Mm-hmm. And it was like invaluable for me to figure out how these gears work and how to fix these things. And, and it was free. Yeah. You know? And then actually after I graduated with a degree in neuroscience, I was at UC San Diego. And mm-hmm. I worked modeling a, a human brain and a dolphin brain on a computer also for free. Right. Uh, and I lived in Cardiff, and I saw dolphins on the way to work. Every yeah. it was great, you know. I love San Diego, like that North County. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I have an employee now who used to work at Disney, mm-hmm. and it's what she can learn. Yeah, with or without pay, it's just amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm doing art reproduction, I'm shipping orders. It, it's great, you know. And but you know, employees are paying the ass. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, human interest stories and all their crap. Yeah, but I mean, it's also part of what, part of it. Yeah, part of the talent pool is about you know what what you're selling, and I think that certain things, certain types of entertainment draw a certain type of personality, and so it's really rare when you find somebody who you think is absolutely perfect. And you know, I've gone through a lot of interns. Interns, you have a limit. You have three months that you can. Yeah, use and you know, Piz said you're better paying them because then they're yeah. then they're like gonna be committed well then they'll show up yeah yeah so for an intern yeah they'll, they'll show up but like for my my assistants have always been paid assistants and oh good and they yeah you know they, they make uh it, it's it's more than the shop employees make we'll say usually and so finding somebody i know that i only have them for a oh, short like amount of time because months. honestly right if my sales pitch is if you i'm going to train you to make more money and I'm not the guy who's going to pay it, but if you if you listen yeah, to what I have you to want, tell you, you have a hundred secrets, and yeah. you, you're like me. I'm a babbling idiot. I'll tell everybody every secret ever, you know. <laughs> and I don't care. I mean, you know, why is there a scarcity of that? And yeah, you know, when we did the show, I, I met your interns, and you know, they mm-hmm. helped me pack the the paintings at the end, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're fine. You know, yeah. they're art, I don't know if they're a UCLA art student. I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, art center. One, hopefully, one of those guys. Yeah. Has a master's degree, yeah, <laughs> in I think not astrophysics, but in I have a degree in neuroscience. Yeah. I know how the fucking brain evolved. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's interesting that you know that they could have pursued this work, and he was somebody who worked with us for a while, and then he, he couldn't afford to live in LA, and he moved back home, and he was like, I got to get back to LA. He's like, even That's if great. it's less money, yeah. I have to be back in the environment that I was at. And he came back, he talked to Billy, and they oh, worked I met that deal. guy. Yeah, yeah I think Rob, I'm... he's fantastic. Yeah, is he still there? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, he loves the job, and I mean, what I realized when. I worked for Billy, and then I went into entertainment, and then I ran my own company, and then right. I sold my company, and then I worked for corporate interest. And it's really weird to do that. It's really weird to start for I yourself, have to do that, <laughs> and then go into corporate because yeah. you're used to a certain. You know, you're able to say, "Well, let's just do this," and it's not because you want to have all that power and you want to be able to say it's my way or the highway, but it's that you can just act, you can just do stuff. Oh, and owning in corporate your own culture, company. yeah, right, and you can't. And right. In corporate culture, you have to run it up the flagpole by twenty people. Most of whom don't really care, but they have to say something because that's what their job is. Right, and it'll cost X, but it'll cost 
two X to not do it. Yeah, it's but so I mean, stupid. running up the flagpole will cost you how much in right. nine hours. Oh, I know. You don't want to see. Whereas if you just execute and ask for forgiveness later, you're generally rewarded. Big secret to anybody who works in entertainment: just oh, do it. If you get fired, someone else will hire you because they're going to realize. And if it's successful, you're great. Yeah, yeah. you get to you know what yeah. success has a thousand a thousand fathers, failure has none. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know, in in getting back to that, so you know, you you have this 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 entity that is getting your work into, I mean, in front of tens of thousands of people that you're selling a product to, oh, to yeah. a, uh, an unopened demographic at the time. And when you see a sticker on the freeway, it's reaching 100,000 more people. Yeah. And, and you know, the two coolest things were when I first started seeing my stickers on the streets and the highways. And then, you know, my motto is we're around the world and beyond because mm-hmm. 10 years from now, you'll still see the stuff, yeah. you know. How and, often does that stuff get cleaned up? Like almost never. Yeah. And in my warehouse, you know, all the cabinets are tagged with stickers from, you know, the 80s, uh, not 80s, but uh, 90s when I used to work for another company because mm-hmm. I, you know, did graphics on the side until Poster Pop was like, oh man, I'm 100 hours. I don't have time to do your stuff. Right, you know? right. So. But yeah, no, it's uh, stickers are started out as advertising and T-shirts, you know, are now corporate T-shirts, you know, John Lennon and all that, you know. And, but, the, and the taggers for a while, so yeah, that they didn't get hit with the fine of vandalism of using a spray can went to stickers in yeah. the early nineties, and they were cool. It was like yeah. little postal stickers with yeah. the tag on it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those <laughs> would go up on walls, and I think that that's that's an important part of this because, you know, when you think of of lowbrow. There's that element of graffiti that has always kind of been there, and I think that the that the graffiti that that rose to the top in the 70s and 80s was very much already based around Von Bode. You know that there I were a lot him. of kids that had yeah. that aerosol look. Yeah, and you it, go to Barcelona and you see those characters, the yeah. cartoony. You know, it's like Inspector Clouseau looking. You know, like big nose and yeah, and you're like, wow, it's interesting. And uh, it has that underground comic look. Yeah, yeah. the graffiti in Spain looks a lot like you know. LA. <laughs> yeah. And so that because that was starting to reach masses, there was that that sort of odd spike in interest that kind of came to a head with the art in the streets exhibition. At, yeah, and then Juxtapose was taken over by graffiti artists and I think to its detriment to a yeah, degree. Yeah, totally. And then the to only the cool, both. The only coolest thing in in those ads when we stopped advertising were the ads. I mean, yeah. the magazines were the ads and um you know, it was like you know, and then, and that at that time was around two thousand four or three. Mm-hmm. Like we did an ad in High Times, and I was like, "Bam!" Yeah, you know, it's like, "Oh my god!" You know, and and then back to licensing. Uh, most of our artists are half unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, like Coop. You know, amazing artist, actually comic artist, mm-hmm. one of the my favorite artists ever. You know. He's a human, he's a pain in the ass. But, you know, Kozik is Kozik, you know, and they they had followings, but it was really uh, amplifying their merchandise. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I added Olivia, which actually is when I bought my partner out, and he's like, he didn't like it. He thought it was, uh, you know, pinup art, pink, Mm -hmm. pink girls and stuff. And for the first time ever. Zero Wonder Woman that she just did? Uh, if it was on Instagram, or it's it, magnificent. Oh, is it? Yeah, she had a Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman portrait, and you're like, "Whoa, Gal looks a little bit like Julie Strain." Like it's oh, really? So yeah. she's she's great for that, and she's yeah. wonderful. Her and her husband. Are oh, fantastic. I love them. I went to their house Joel's when I great. when I signed them, and their driveway cost more in my house up in <laughs> yeah. Zuma, you know. Malibu, yeah, but I I just like you know talk to her, and it's like it's all about the eyes, yeah. and and I'm like. You know, because she had this like downstairs uh, living room with this humongous walk-in fireplace, and that was mm-hmm. her art studio. Yeah, and you know, ocean view over Zuma, and um, I was just so impressed. But but she was the first license that had a following. So when we yeah. when we released them, it was like wow, we reached new you know wheels of distance. Uh, you know, just spokes on a wheel kind of as a theory yeah. of marketing. But, yeah, yeah. Um, what year was this? What year did you pick up Olivia? Probably like 2004, 2005. Right, right. And, and then Joel, um, which is funny, my distributor, Net Sales, basically uh, did, you know, I kind of shy away from real licenses, but did the Betty Page Olivia part of it. Yeah. And that blew away my, like, God, I love, you know, this girl with the uh, honeydew melons. <laughs> You know, and you know, just it's gorgeous art, but you know, the, the Betty Page just blew it out, yeah. And then, so, uh, Joel, um, who, who's amazing, he did all the photography, and yeah. then she she draws and paints 
from that. And um, interesting side point is when I talked to him at a later time, he said that uh, photography will always be a hobby. Mm-hmm. With digital now, you know, it's, it's so easy to take, you know, 30 megapixel, fix, 50 megapixel picture that surpasses the, you know, tri-X film, film, you know, yeah. 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 And, um, and, and I always thought of our culture like that. There'll always be, I mean, oil painting and art students and, you know, and, and inspirational acrylics and all that, but there always will be hobbyists doing cool stuff like yeah. pinhole photography or, you know, silver photography or sculpture or anything that our culture leaves behind as technology replaces it. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, you know, there always will be a, a you know, a, a basis of, you know, it's it's like the evolution keeps the brainstem because it has all the ha- past on it. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's a solid structure. It's like the streets of New York. You don't go, like, destroy it to... Uh, Sorry to bring that, that could up. be a very different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oops, uh, you know. But you basically build a new, you know, four square block as a megastructure, mm-hmm. and but you keep the the firmament, the, uh, the streets, you know, yeah, the uh, infrastructure yeah. solid because that serves the hot frontal lobes, the cortex of the brain, and you know. So, uh, but basically, rambling on, <laughs> um, I you know learn everything I learned from Led Zeppelin, right? <laughs> um, but uh, basically, uh, to do the art is really cool. You you have these unknown artists. And really an important thing to talk about on this whole conversation is the fact that, you know, I get asked every week, like, can you do my art? And what it comes down to, peoples, is the fact that if I get a letter recommendation, uh, you know, a boost from one of my artists or somebody I know, those are the people that actually I pay attention yeah. to. And like any but like any industry, it's kind yeah. of like if you've got if you got your rabbi, if you've got you know somebody who's going to yeah. advocate on your behalf, that that's going to go somewhere. Oh, t- completely. Because yeah. unless I like it, and I learned a f- few lessons, like I liked like certain art, and they were actually popular, but it just wasn't selling. Right. Uh, I don't want to mention the artist. But, you know, I did, like, cover a modern art rock book, and mm-hmm. and it's, like, great artist. I love the art, but it was illustrator, pinup girls, um, and it just didn't catch on. Like, you know, Coop or my new artist, like, Gustavo Ramada, does a lot of Day of the Dead art. Yep. And yeah, Gustavo, we've shown him, sold quite oh, a few of his great. pieces. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, no, he has a really good heart, you know. But if you get someone recommending it, that means there's 100,000 people that like them behind that person. Yeah. And therefore, you have a clue. So if you're like an artist and uh, and you want to get published, which will make your art more valuable, more seen, more collected, uh, I would suggest that you create your best works mm-hmm. and you uh, get it seen by influential people. And this here's I'm going to speak to that because I think that one thing and we're we're huge in the DIY aesthetic here. At, at yeah, consequentialism. same here. But what I think is important is that I think a lot of artists think they're going to find a gallery and that that's that's all they have to do is they find the gallery. You still have to keep charging up the hill every day. Yeah, you know a gallery is going to be that. You're valuable, though. I mean, I try when I, you know, had to sell my paintings a year and a half ago. I, you know, I couldn't do it. You know, and and you know, you were like, and so by getting the show with you, and you know, like holding the tiki farm, bought the Ford Fader. Like, why didn't you buy that for me? It had to be in the show. (laughs) Yeah. And, it adds provenance. It's like it's yeah. it's a different context. Like they see it. Whoa. Okay. Now I get it. You know, yeah. it's not just a picture on a screen, or it's not just you know, um, yeah, in a, in a stack. It's of stuff so much the wall. bigger. Yeah. Uh, because it's in the show, and it's it has the history of the show, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but you're, it's basically a gallery saying that we approve. It's like you, that it's it's valuable because it's in our space, and it has to be the right space for that to carry on, of right. course. Yeah. But I think that you know what I was getting to is that we will advocate for the artist. The artist still has to advocate on their own behalf. Right. It's like and self-publishing so like, books nowadays. Yes. You could do the technical part, yeah. but it's really... If they set it up and then they contact me and they're like, hey, we've got this all laid out and we've we've got, you know, um, we've you got a marketing love. strategy. Can you can you just, can you do me a favor and if, if you approve of this, can you put in a good word for me with so-and-so? I'm like, if you write the letter, I'll sign it. You know, like it's right. the less work 
because it's not like gallerists sit around doing nothing all day. We, we've, we've got our own business. And oh, we've yeah. Got, you know, we're thinking five shows ahead, sometimes two years ahead. Oh, yeah. And that the more work an artist can do that makes it easy for someone else in a position of power to just do the simplest thing, the more likely they are to do it. And I think not too many people do that. But I learned it right. from Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman, before he started a hit, had his girlfriend contact magazines and say, we're sorry you can't run that interview with Neil Gaiman next month. Oh, yeah, the anti-controversy. Uh, yeah, and they're like, right. well, who, who's Neil Gaiman? You know, right. They didn't know who he was, but now all of a sudden they're like, and he's turning us down? Why not? You know, and yeah, no, it works. And it's also, psychology, right. And then, of course, when you go back to... Um, not Janice films, but it was. I love um, those Bar- Bridget Bardot movies. Yeah, yeah, but the you know the I guy that was bringing logo. a lot of that stuff yeah. over was a um, a distributor in Boston, and he and his brother would send invoices to their clients that were, you know, like ten times what the amount was supposed to be, and they'd get a call back. What do you oh, mean this is two thousand dollars? <laughs> oh, we're sorry, this was you know it's like type of two hundred. Right? Yeah, well, it was supposed to be two hundred. Oh, okay, it was really supposed to be a hundred, you know. But so they were so happy it's funny to, to find talk out about this stuff. Yeah, because it works, but it's it's kind of <laughs> cheesy, but it works. But it's business, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I, I I personally have never done that, but you know that I think that there is something to be said for that hunger and that chutzpah, yeah, and that getting out there and just kind of doing it. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people whose work I don't think is that strong right, like making mine. it into, <laughs> I'm not going to name names, making it into like large institutions and museum collections. Uh, and I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah. But not even if it's, if it's fairly good, yeah. it's because they're go-getters. They're out there and they're doing it. And there's a lot of people that are very talented that just aren't helpful to their own success. And, you know. It's really, uh the ball rolling snowball effect yeah you know it's like uh crayola i you know finally got an instagram like wow this guy's really good but then Mm -hmm. it's like some people think well he's really good but he's you know not like writing good and you know so you know it's but yeah it's huge following and tara mcpherson you know Mm -hmm. my two successful artists kind of really helped relaunch that third wave rock poster and it was yeah. because she was working with that kind of underground hot band and a lot list. of the bands actually they I turned mean, into big things yeah I mean if there's such a thing called MTV anymore you know you actually might see Death Cab for Cutie or yeah. whatever these bands are which I have no clue of but you know it's like she kind of caught that she caught uh, that yeah and then her pitchfork art crowd I'm a rare person that I literally get to look at her art you know, 700X magnified. Yeah. And I just like saw the evolution of the heart, you know, being pulled out of her chest yeah. and the waterfall coming out. And and then when she got married uh, with Sean, the heart was healed. And, yeah. you know, it's really, it's, so she's, it's really in her art. Yeah. And, you know, I see that and it's, and like Gustavo Romana, it's the love that shows through. Mm-hmm. And it's it's people are interested in that, not yeah. you know, mega robot monsters and you know you know I just looking at the Jack Kirby uh, uh, heavy metal and it's brilliant you know yeah. but it's like you know it's like it's you know I, I don't know I mean the whole current sci-fi amazing yeah. culture is you know a lot of uh, the same stuff but you know it's. I don't know, but the if you go core to your heart and your love, and and do that art, and the world will see it. You know, it's like the band UFO. Remember yeah. in '78. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Strangers and, Night, great live record. Oh, the best. Yeah, and I remember like listening. It's just like God. It sounds like a war. It's horrible. And then like the fourth or fifth time, you're like, this is the best stuff ever. <laughs> so my model of my art and my whole. Uh, thing is that if you're a genius enough to create what you love and you think is great, hopefully the world will catch it and yeah. see it too. And it may but be a wrong model. you have to have an advocate. You have to yeah. have somebody out there you know, yeah. that's, that's helping you do that. And sometimes that person can be the same person. I mean, clearly you show Marco Almera. No one is a bigger cheerleader for Marco Almera than Marco Almera. And for me, sure. Max. Is a, and you, like, yes, yeah, yes. I love his art, though. You, you know. But it's like, you know, he was one of those guys that was just knocking at the door constantly, constantly, he's constantly. The, he's the hardest working man. Uh, and then, you know, he pretty much... Uh, Kind of did a loop in his life, and then, uh, but he, yeah, no, he came in, him and Piz, they walked in the door and mm-hmm. just like, bam, do my stuff. And yeah. we're like, 
okay and you know uh okay yeah <laughs> you know and it's like okay you and know i like it yeah and of course you're here wearing a, a shag, shag shirt, shirt that you yeah, produce who's amazing yeah. and his disney fan you know i went through the whole prep thing yeah and what it comes down to is you know we we do comic-con for 20 years almost and you know viva las vegas and all these shows it's really all of a sudden Shag has these Disney fans. Yeah. You know, he's on Main Street or whatever it's called and you know, they sell the little Hawaiian shirts and so all of a sudden he's real, big yeah. culture. And then those fans are coming to my booths and buying the Shag stickers. Yep. I mean like, whoa. You know, so there's an interesting truth there of not only has he been out there forever. You know, the first show he did was at Billy Shire in '97, mm. and uh, actually have a piece from before that. I have the I have my one shag painting is yeah. from that show. I bought. We have one before yeah. that yeah. that is going to be in the Tiki Show, our 21st anniversary Tiki Show right. in October, and so it's oh, kind of yeah. timely that you're wearing that. And oh, you know, yeah. we're hoping to get the ride in Tiki. Um, it was the drawing that became the painting, and he just oh, couldn't locate so it because he just moved. But that was supposed to be in the show. Yeah, and um, the we've got that this shag piece called interstellar and it's you know oh, space it's like, tiki yeah and it's like 95 oh yeah like it's oh in, yeah and it's in that that fake bamboo frame that the pieces in that 97 show yeah were mine's in, in that yeah. the girl in tiki with instead of with the calves with the skulls yeah and this most expensive painting I ever bought at five grand. Yeah. But yeah, I was like god my favorite sticker I better buy it you know so and, and this is this is going to be Back in the lose, and it's funny, you know. That yeah, I've, I've been saying for years, you know, we've been, we've been getting further and further away from lowbrow, except when we completely embrace it every couple of years. You yeah. know, and it's we pay tribute to our own history by paying tribute to the people that were part of it. And oh so, yeah, you, well, there'll be people in in December. We'll have our thirty first um, anniversary drawing show. So it's the the illustrators, and so you know, I'd contacted Tara, and Tara's too busy, so she's not going to be able to do it. But it's like, you know, I get this Christopher Ulrich piece yeah. that's the ad. And it's perfect. I mean, it's exactly what that drawing show is. Yeah. You know, and it celebrates, you know, the elements of the religious art and the appreciation of extreme illustration chops, but still having style. And it will be everybody. It'll be like all, all the people that were incredible you oh, know, yeah. illustrators in this show. But they're getting the original uh, San Francisco guys, because one of the first shows I ever saw oh, you guys Stanley was. Mouse. Yeah, I just was, saw him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's sweet. He's really he is, a good, a good heart. guy. But I remember when you were on Melrose upstairs, yeah. and there was the Coop show, and that's probably the first time I ever went to La Luz. Yeah. Um, that was Coop, Pablo, and Piz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then there was like the the Last Supper Zap comic cover with Zap the wave. Thirteen show. Yeah, I don't know which was first, that but was I remember. Nuts. Yeah, I remember that. And um, they still publish the photos I took. Really? Like that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Everybody else was too drunk to hold the camera. I oh my god! Not that really? I was any good, but <laughs> they've been using these photos I took for years. But the you know I mean, the, that was yesterday, but it was like what twenty years ago? Ninety? Yeah, ninety-seven. Five? Yeah. Ninety. It was either ninety-four or ninety-five. I think it was ninety-four. Yeah. And um, ninety-six maybe. I'm trying yeah. to tell about how long Billy's hair was <laughs> at the time, and of course Robert Crumb was there, and yeah, you know the Spain Rodriguez, yeah, and Gilbert. Shelton. And, you know, them and uh, what's his name? We did the alien stuff. Geiger. These are like superstars. And then then you had the Alex Gray or something. Yeah, Alex Gray and Joe Coleman show with with Suzanne Williams. Yeah. the third person in that show. So Bob's Bob's wife. After Piz passed away, I talked to her specifically about, here's Piz. How do you make it valuable? I mean, what is it? I mean, and it's like, you don't want it to be valuable because every college student's going to start copying it and stuff. You just want them to do what they want to do. And eventually, you know, but I was like, Robert Williams is like major, you know, and Piz was pretty, I mean, if you watch any DVD from the last 20 years of this culture, Piz is in it. They interview him. We're still trying to get people to appreciate Neon Park, who was the first sign painter in San Francisco, the guy that started the whole movement. Most people have no idea who he was because he was doing Little Feet album covers and not Janis Joplin album covers. Yeah. I dropped it on a class at UCLA because I didn't pay for it. And the teacher, uh, God, I think was like part of that whole thing. She was famous for one of those... You know, dog face Betty covers. Oh yeah, well that was probably his wife, Chick Strand, and she taught yeah. at um, Occidental for a while too. She actually and we did like, a Boston show for her. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because I learned a lot in like the three or four weeks until they realized I wasn't a student. I used to do that all the time. Yeah. I talk about that all the time about oh, really? my gorilla education. About just I got so much free education at Art Center and at Cal Arts. And oh, Art Center is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Once now I realized they take, now they take role. Well, no. Once I realized I wasn't going to be a uh, scientist because I didn't like the radiation. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay graphic design so I took classes and I liked computer animation and god I didn't go into it professionally but you know I, I was the only one in new Unix I was like yeah. going to every computer in the room and rendering my stuff on mm-hmm. you know while nobody was no- looking you mm-hmm. know and um but Art Center, if any of you students want to get a, like a, I mean, Ryden's from there, or Terry McPherson's from there, yeah. a hundred other people are from there. Uh, just go to Art Center at night or day, you yeah, know, it's take the, the night best. classes. Yeah. And then you go to the car things where they draw all the features to cars and just gawk at them and go, my God, yeah. you know, so I love the Art Center, you know. And, well, cool, man. That, t- that takes us to the end of this particular episode, but I want cool. you to shout out all the social media because there's some stuff that you've got in the works, and I'm just going to touch on this because we don't have a chance to go into it, but I know that you're working on the Poster Pop Art Collection book. Right. I know that there's the Airs of Science Fiction book, and yeah. uh, a lot of really amazing stuff coming along that um, you know people are going to have to follow your Instagram or yeah. follow you on social media, so they can find you at, at Poster Pop. Yeah, on Instagram and posterpop.com on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then my art is... Um, Oh god, I think it's mgets.com, which I haven't updated since like system seven on the back. <laughs> but it's it's all my concert I did forty concert posters too. Awesome. And then um Instagram is M- Matt Gets Art, I mm-hmm. think, something like that. G E T Z. Yeah, G E T Z. Well perfect yeah. man. Thanks for stopping by and chatting oh, with me and awesome. uh, everybody out there. I really encourage you to check out Poster Pop because it's really a sort of capsule history of where Lowbrow came from and where it's going to. And he's really been on the the cutting edge of just kind of understanding, you know, what what is memeable before the term was really starting to hit. And yeah. we've seen a lot of the imagery of the artists that he's worked with. And, and, you know, we scratched the surface. And I'm just going to shout out some names before we go. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we've talked about Coop and Kozik and Chag. There's Alan Forbes and Von Franco and Marco Almera, Vince Ray, Aaron Marshall, Rockin' Jelly Bean from Japan. Yeah, you know, great. Fierce and Dirty Donnie, huge in the tiki world. We talked about Gustavo oh, Pinball Ramada, and Metallica, yeah. And Big Toe and Derek Yaniger and, and Eric Piggers and... You know, Piz and XNO and Olivia and, and Doug Horn and, and Candy and, and all these great oh, guys. Oh, yeah. It's so, great. you know, stop by posterpop.com, check it out, and uh, tune in with us again next week. And, uh, you know, check us out, Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. Yeah, thank you very thank much. You. Thanks. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many, many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole, it's not. Um, you can, if you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you.